Well, hello, Pastor Brown from Akron Lions Fellowship. Good to be with you again. I hope that uh, what will be uh, shared with you today would be a blessing to you. We're going to speak on the area of identity and uh, what it is to be special in Jesus. Um, once you know, you are a very special individual. Uh, God sees us all special. Uh, as that one little sign says, uh, he didn't make any junk, so we're all special. Uh, he wants us to know who we are, who we are in him. And uh, that's a process of discovering. And we want to see if we can help that some. And to see if, boy, if I can understand that God wants to develop me and show forth my identity in him. I want to read something to you that uh, Dr. Norman Wright wrote in one of his books. It's a prayer. But let's pray before we ever get started here. <clears throat> Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. And we ask, Lord, that you would minister to us and to help us, O oh God, see what you desire us to be in Christ Jesus. Would you, O oh God, bless us? Because it truly is your work that has to be done in our life. And we ask, O oh God, that you would do it for your name's sake and for your glory. And Lord, we'll give you praise. Speak to us and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Norman Wright writes this prayer in one of his books. He says, Thank you for not withholding your blessings until I deserve it. Thank you that the heart, at the heart of your blessings is the assurance that I belong to you in Christ and that you delight in me. Thank you for smiling on me and turning towards me. Help me not to seek your blessings in the wrong place. Help me not to seek your blessings in the wrong place. I want to live my life addicted to your approval, not the approval of others. Create in me a passion for your blessings. I want to bask daily, daily in the blessings that is your nature. In Jesus' name, amen. He says that prayer, I believe, with all sincerity. Thank you, Lord, for not withholding your blessings until I deserve it, because we would never, never really deserve it. But blessings follow obedience. It's not that somebody's up there twisting God's arm, making him bless me or this or that. I'm blessed because that's something he desires to do because I trust him and I obey. When we obey him and when we trust him, his blessings just flow. 
And we still have to learn that. And we have to understand that we are special in his sight. We are really special in him. Michelle Obama was sitting in a room and she was having second thoughts if she should even be there. And uh, she was thinking if she was really even worthy to be in the room. And it finally dawned upon her that she has worked hard. She's earned her law degree. She was an educated woman. And she deserved every right to be sitting there in that room. And it changed her whole demeanor. And sometimes you and I have to ask the question, are we worthy to be sitting there? And hope that it comes back with a resounding yes. Not so much because of what you have done, but because of what the Lord has done in your life. That really makes you profoundly worthy of being where you are. The question is, what is your real true identity? See, our identity often is the real thing that makes us worthy of the respect of others. And people oftentimes see us through our labels, through our abilities, our skills, through the tags that have been placed upon us. And we are, we are identified by titles and positions in life. Why don't you go with me to John chapter 8. I kind of want you to see this. And it's in verse 1 with this woman and how she's going to be identified. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives at dawn and appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Jesus was seen as a teacher. He is identified as a teacher. Jesus. Now let's go on a little further. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman, a lot of identity there, a lot of tags that have been, a lot of labels that have been placed on people. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before a group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us, to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now she's caught in the act of adultery and it takes two people to be involved. But only the woman is brought forth. And we could go into 
why the man wasn't there and so forth. But the man was not there. For whatever the reasons might be, they didn't bring him. But they bought her and they labeled her as an adulteress and said to the crowd and to Jesus that she's an adulterer. From that point on, that woman has that title, that tag. That's how she's seen. That's part of her identity now, that she's an adulteress. And people will put tags on us and they will label us. And they will say we're this and we're that. But what is your true identity? What is your real true identity? Go to Luke chapter 7 because we want to see this again. And <coughs> we want to take note of it because people do it so quickly. The names of these individuals are not given to us. Their positions are given to us. And they are somewhat labeled and known by their positions rather than people really knowing them or their true identity. In verse 2 it says, They're a centurion's servant. A centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. One is identified only as a servant. Name never given, but his identification is he's a servant of this centurion. A centurion is an officer in the Roman army. So this other person is identified as a centurion, as a officer of someone important in the Roman army. But I want you to catch the label and how they are identified. And my question is, how are you identified? What is your label? How have you been tagged? Who are you? Do people really see who you are? Or do they only see the title, the position, or what other people say about you? Who are you? And that's the true thing that has to be identified. Who are you? A lot of young people I hear oftentimes saying, I'm trying to discover who I am. I'm trying to find myself. You'll never do that outside of Jesus Christ. The Lord wants us to really know who we are. When you are no longer the mother, the father, the social worker, the carpenter, the musician, the ball player, who are you? So you have all these different titles put on you, but really when it boils down, who are you? When you are no longer seen by your outward physical abilities and so forth, 
Who are you? If you have no sense of who you are beyond the physical, the labels, the titles, how you look and your abilities and position in life, you will find yourself very confused if you are only identified by what you do, by your position, by your education. People then are really missing the real you. And you yourself want to be identified much more than just by your title or position. And oftentimes when people are confused with their identity, they do not see themselves worthy of the blessings of God. They don't see themselves good enough. The cosmetic world is made up of many individuals who really don't see themselves good enough. I don't know what we did before we got all this makeup and all these different styles and everything, but today we got to have the latest style on to be somebody. We got to be wearing the newest fashions in order to be somebody. We got to stand in a certain way and uh, there's a lot of pretense that goes on. And uh, there's a lot of hiding behind things of who we really are. And I'm not trying to say you shouldn't look the best that you can look. Uh, I'm not saying that um, there's nothing uh, wrong with you putting on makeup or whatever. I'm not saying that, but oftentimes we use it as a cover-up for the reality of who we are. And if it has anything to do with you not feeling worthy or that you're not good enough, then there's a pretense there. You only feel worthy or you can only pretend that you are something beautiful or something only if you have these certain things around you or on you. My wife gave me a nice card on my birthday and my anniversary and and it says how blessed she was to basically have a husband. And um, then in the inside, it got to the real thing, the true identity, when it says a man. That's my real identity. I'm just a man. You're just a woman or just a man. God only created a man and a woman. That's our true identity. Now, the choices we make in life <clears throat> and what we do in life and the way we perform in life, people start adding tags and labels to us. And they begin to see us in such a manner. And sometimes those things hide who we really are. And we want to be seen for who we are. 
and the choices we make in life will often paint a picture of who we are. What type of man or what type of woman I've chosen to be. Understand this. Neither the woman nor the man was born as a father or a mother. But each were born with the potential of being a father or mother. They were not born a father or mother, but they were born with the potential of being a father or mother. And then you have to choose to be what you're going to be. And people begin to identify you by those choices that you make. You can choose to be a godly man or a godly woman. Or you can choose to be an ungodly man or ungodly woman. It's not forced on you. But it's something you have to choose. And you want to be. And then you need to recognize you can't do this on your own. You cannot become a godly man or a godly woman on your own. You're the one that is saying to God that you want to be more than what you are. And that you need him to work in your life. That you might be that godly man or godly woman. And without God's help, you cannot develop those qualities in your life. In which you will be then identified. People will identify you as a godly man, a godly woman. Or they will identify you as a ungodly man or ungodly woman. The world has a way of also saying it, especially among those who are not Christians, because they will not use the word ungodly, but they will use the word, that's an evil man. That's an awful man. Uh, that's an evil woman. Uh, that's this type of woman or that type of woman. And they use other labels and titles. In the Christian world, our identity is in Jesus Christ. And we oftentimes forget we were created in the image of God. There's our identity. But then I have to work at or allow him to work in my life to develop that godly man or godly woman. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 8? Sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And we're going to look at 2 through 10 because I want you to see something that only God is able to do. And we have to be willing to allow God to do the developing or do the work in us so that we might be identified by the world, by how they see us and the things that we do. That then states our 
identity. I'm a godly man. I'm a godly woman. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. And he says in that verse 8, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. There's the blood. A gift from God. It's what God is doing in your life. He says also, not by works. So it's not you yourself developing you. That you can boast and say, look at me. God removes all of that. Because we become his workmanship. And he's going to develop our identity, our true identity. He's going to develop us into the man or woman that he would have us to become. And we need to understand that. And he goes on then, and he says in verse 9, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now in verse 10 he says, for we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. We are developed by him. Anything that you see really uh, built up around, and sometimes we go by uh, where there's a housing development, we say there's a developer, uh, that's a builder, that's somebody who is making changes to the landscape. There is somebody who wants to make changes in your life. He wants to develop your life. He wants to build you. He wants you to be identified as his child. He wants you to be identified as his man, his woman. Uh, he wants you to be known as that godly man, that godly woman. Uh, God wants to develop us to build a wholesome identity within ourselves of who we are in Christ Jesus. And he alone is the only one who can do that. And he's willing to work at it. For he said, we are his workmanship. We're his development. He's the one who's going to spend the time teaching us, transforming us, building us into the godly woman or godly man that he so's desire. And it will be pleasing unto us. Because it would be a blessing what God will do in our lives if we allow him to do it. He never forces. He never makes us. He tells us what his plan is. And then we're the ones who have to be obedient to it. And he reveals it little by little by little as we walk with him. And he desires to do something profoundly in our lives that somehow brings us to a place that we trust him more and more and more as he develops this life that we're in. Identifying yourself as a man or woman of God. A godly man, a godly woman. Developed not by self, but developed by God. Philippians 1.6, he simply says, Paul says, I'm confident of this. That 
the good work that God has begun in me, he will complete it. It's not me doing the work. It's not you doing the work. It's God in us working, developing, building what he desires. And that's important for us to understand. <coughs> he's not, excuse me, he's not an absentee landlord. He didn't give you life and then take off and said, do the best you can. And you hear a lot of people saying that. I'm doing the best I can. No. Allow God to do it. Allow God to do a work in your life that you would be more than what you could have ever imagined because you are his workmanship. And you need to understand that he's going to do it in such a way that it pleases him. And therefore, he says, yes. Paul says, I have the confidence. Paul, he puts it this way in Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work, he who what? Has begun a good work in me. And he doesn't tell me what that good work is. He doesn't tell me over in Ephesians what that good work is. He just says, I'm created for good works, but he doesn't tell me what it is. But it's going to be something that's going to benefit humanity, society. It's going to benefit the family. It's going to benefit other people. The good works that we're going to do, they're not going to be a curse. They're going to be a blessing to you and to others. And you were created for good works. And God desires to see that take place. Because those works are going to identify you. They're going to allow people to see you, who you really are. And that you truly are someone who has been molded and shaped in the hands of God. A lot of young women are looking for young men who will love them, who will somehow give them identity. No. You'll find that in Jesus Christ if you truly walk with him, and you'll find you don't need the young man to build you up. Same thing with men. You're trying to find a beautiful woman that will walk with you and and that you can show off and you can really think good of yourself and think that you've really done something. No. If you allow Jesus Christ to build you, yes, he'll walk with you. And he'll show you off. See, we have this thing of our identity in the things that we do and how we look. And we put a lot of influence on what we wear and the type of shoes we wear and what kind of house we live in and what kind of clothes we have on, uh, how we cut our hair, how we braid the hair. We put a lot into that as part of our identity. And uh, today we identify ourselves with a ring in our ears or a ring in our noses or this on our tongue. We have a lot of different ways of identifying ourselves, not realizing those things are more hurtful than helpful. People see you by the choices that you make. And those choices oftentimes will identify you. 
If you remember, the Puritans used to put a big A on women who were caught in adultery, and they had to wear that patch with an A on it or or, or the A on the back of their uh, uh, skirt or blouse or whatever to identify them as an adulteress. Didn't say what they did to the man, but for the woman, she was identified. We have to understand the things we do in life do paint a picture of us and people see that and they identify us by what they see. Let me ask you this question. What influences your identity? What is it that makes you who you are? How important are those things that support your identity? that really build you up. How important is it for you to have a man or a woman in your life? Uh, is that all your life is about? It don't matter how many men you've been with, how many women. Life is more than just this thing of sleeping or living with someone. Uh, life is more than that. And you have to see yourself Worthy of someone who will really love you and someone who will really care about you. Someone who will really value you. Men and women both have to reevaluate how they see themselves and what's their true identity. It's not about the music, although we find a lot of our young kids identify with music. The lyrics of music, the words within music. We see people identify themselves with houses, cars, titles, positions, money, and oftentimes money will hide the real identity of a person because people are more concerned about their money than they are the person. We're identified as wife, husbands, and we find ourselves being identified in all these different roles and positions and so forth. But people want to be identified basically for who they are. We are human beings created, and don't forget this now, in the image of God. That's my true identity. That I am who I am in Jesus Christ. My identity is that one day I will be like Jesus. I've been predestined, the scriptures tell me, to be like Jesus. And it says, when I see him, I shall be like him. The identity of being in the very image of the Son of God. Not so much how he looks physically, but that sonship. A son who was obedient to the father. A son who listened to the father. A son who carried out the will of the father. Those are things that identified Jesus Christ. Now, God wants us to grow in him. And in him... I discover my identity. 
you will discover your identity in him. And he seriously desires us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So when we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, why don't you look at verses 10 through 13 with me. He says, By the grace of God has given me, I lay a foundation. What is a foundation for? A foundation is always for the purpose of building something on top of it. But if that which is going to be built and expected to last has to have a sure foundation, has to have a great foundation, a strong foundation, and then you're able to launch from it. Then you're able to build upon it. And nobody else can lay that foundation for you for your identity other than God himself. And God wants to lay a foundation for you that you build upon because it's going to build your identity of who you are. A godly man, a godly woman is going to build your character. It's going to show forth what God wants people to see in you. And he says, <clears throat> again, by grace, God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. An expert builder. That you're choosing the right things in life to build your character, to build your identity. You're picking wisely. And he says, and someone else is building on it. Somebody else is also doing it. Building on what? On your foundation. And that's God. He's working on you. He is the developer. He's the one who is building a life that will be identifiable by others that this is a godly man. This is a godly woman. This is a person with principle and standards. This is a person who is valued by God and have a self-worth because they know that they are being developed by God for his glory and for his purpose. And he goes on, he says, a foundation expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Are you careful about who enters into your life? Who's building in your life? Are, are, are you careful about the ones who really influence your life? Who you somewhat, boy, these are heroes. These are somebody, excuse me, that you want to imitate, that you want to be like. See, when you allow God to build your life, and you're this godly woman, you're this godly man, somebody comes along and says, well, I'd like to be like that. I'd like to be like that. They don't understand that you're not the one who built it, but you can introduce them to the one who developed that life for you. And that's what's important. That you're able to point them to the one who built your life. Who developed you. Who has you in a position that people are identifying you in a different manner and seeing you differently. 
And they're really seeing the real person too. No pretense. The real person that is there. They're seeing you. And we often choose things that are always shifting. They're always changing. He says in verse 11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> if any man builds on this foundation, the foundation of what? The foundation that Jesus Christ has already laid for you. We all need a foundation to build upon. But who's laying the foundation? Are you trying to lay a foundation? It's not going to work. You have to allow God to put the foundation down for you that you're going to build upon. And he's going to work with you because he's the real developer. You're just one of the subcontractors. But God is the real contractor and he's the real builder. He's the architect of your life. And he's the one who is going to really manage every section of your life as he builds it for his glory. And he says, <clears throat> if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it really is. That's all those tags and labels that people put on you because people will see who and what you really are. And they are the ones who will call you godly or ungodly. You may feel shame and you may feel guilt, but you don't confess that I've messed my life up and I need a foundation. When you come to a place to understand that the only one who can lay the foundation in which you can build upon and then who will help develop you is God, you will lose all the shame and the guilt. And it's surprisingly how you begin to identify yourself and value yourself and how other people begin to identify you and value you. It is something to behold and to see. And he says there's any man builds on this foundation. God puts a foundation up under us to build upon. And it doesn't change. Oftentimes we choose to try to build on things that are always changing. If it's the fashions, fashions are always changing. Uh, we are trying to build sometime on things that are not stable. Uh, they're just constantly always moving, always uh, new fashions out, new hairstyle out, new haircut out, new shoes are out, uh, a new modern house. We're, we're trying to build on something that's always changing. And long as that foundation is always moving, It's unwise to build on that. You have to have something that is stable, steadfast, unmovable. And that's God. James in 117 simply says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 
He does not change. He's the same. He's consistent. And you and I have to understand that. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13.6 tells us. And we need to be able to build upon that which is of solid ground. God wants you to build and build a life that you can be proud of, not boastful of, but you're content and you're satisfied with. And he wants to help you build that life. That's why in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, he does have a plan for you and he does have a plan for me. He wants us to build that life in such a way that people will look at and says, I like to live there. They can identify with that. I like to live there. I like to be like that. It's something that they want to do. Satan knows how to make us feel or sense that we're nobody or we're unworthy. Good-looking women and men oftentimes will feel like they're nobody because people look upon them over their beauty or their handsomeness. They look at them and they see the outer, but they're not seeing the inner. And what becomes that which can be deceptive is that which is on the outer. Because you really want to identify the person from their inward qualities, not so much their outward qualities. Wealth. Wealthy people oftentimes feel alone and that they're nobody. Because what people see is their money. People see how they're living. They see everything else and they put those labels and titles on them, but they don't really see the individual person and what the person wants to be accepted for is who they really are. Not because of their wealth, not because of their riches, not because of the type of house that they live in. And we make over us all that sometimes way too much. When people just want to be accepted as another human being. Positions and titles, people can feel as though they're nobody because people look at their authority and their power and they're a little maybe insensitive towards them or fear or, or fear or fear them and they lose sight of the real person. And all we talk about is their authority and their power and we miss who that real person is. And right now, sometimes we're missing that real person in that blue uniform, that police officer. There's a real man in there or, or a real woman, a real human being. But oftentimes we only see them with a cruel authority, a misuse of their power. We don't get past the uniform and we got to get past the uniform and also see a real human being and identify them as a real human being that is there with feelings. 
We work hard sometimes trying to meet the world standards. And we lose ourselves in that. The Lord puts it this way. What is it if a man was to gain the whole world and lose his soul? If he loses his own identity, if he loses what is really important, what has he gained? In order to be somebody, only to discover the maker has been moved. The marker has been moved, not the maker, I'm sorry, but the marker has been moved. For every time we think we've arrived, we find out and discover there's another height to gain. Every mountain we climb, there's another mountain that's higher that we can challenge ourselves with. I challenge my grandchildren oftentimes to be better than their parents who are our kids, my kids. And uh, I um, took my one granddaughter and I pointed to her mom and I said, now you can do better than she did. And I want to see you achieve more than what she's achieved. Um, my daughter-in-law, she uh, has a doctor degree and she teaches in a university. And my challenge to her daughter is, I want to see you do more. Not that she has to. It's not the degree I'm after. But it's the quality of the individual that I'm after. So we set the bar up here. The one she can see is mom. Go beyond that. This is dad, where dad is. Go beyond that. Build that character. Develop and allow God to develop you in something far greater than what you could have ever imagined that you would be able to be. And people will identify you by your skills and the way in which you handle yourself and the way you conduct yourself. They will say you're a godly man or a godly woman or an ungodly man, ungodly woman. You're an evil person or you're a filthy person, we put all these tags and titles on people and it's something different. That people then lose their true identity of being made in the image of God. And God wants us to recognize that we are identified by him. We are his children. We are the people of the living God. My identity is in Jesus Christ. Your identity is found in Christ Jesus and him alone. And you need to recognize that. <clears throat> it's not in the things of this world where identity is found. And you want to come to that place to allow yourself to be developed by God. Many people go through life pretending. And you don't want to pretend. You want to be genuine. You want to be real. You want to love with sincerity. 
You want not to pretend to love or to be loved. You want the real, genuine thing. You want the authentic thing to be there. Go with me to Proverbs 12 and verse 9. Because <clears throat> he gives us a little statement here that I think we need to really look at. He says, better to be nobody and yet have a servant. You're not anybody with great titles. You're not anybody of great means. You're not anybody that is really standing out. But yet you have a servant. You have someone who will wait upon you. You have someone who sees about your needs. You have somebody there who helps you. He says, boy, better to be a nobody, not known by people, and yet have a servant. Now look at the second part of this verse. Then pretend to be somebody. To, to pretend to be in this imaginary world that you make up for yourself, that you're pretending that you're somebody great, you're somebody larger than life, you're somebody. But the reality is, you're not. And a lot of us pretend that we're in love. A lot of us pretend that we are loved. A lot of us pretend that we're happy. A lot of us do a lot of pretending. And when you really become a Christian and God is developing you, all pretense stops. The pretending now is gone. As some people say, get real. When you really accept the Lord Jesus Christ, things are going to get real. Things are really going to get real. And you're going to really see yourself and you're going to see others. And sometimes we live in this made-up, pretend world. My kids are great. My kids are good. My kids are this. And in reality, your kids are little devils, and you know it. You know they don't do what is right. You know that they're smoking. You knowing that they're shacking up. You know that they got a filthy mouth. You know they really don't care about others. There's things that you know about them, but you pretend as though they are excellent, wonderful children, and they're not. You can pretend that you have the perfect mate, a wonderful wife, a wonderful husband. Either that's real or that's not. There's no perfect man. There's no perfect woman. There's no perfect children. But we need to deal with the reality. And in the reality, then we can speak to it. Because God tells us to speak the truth in love. Now I can really call it what it is. And I'm doing it in love. Not doing it to bring shame. Not doing it to bring heartache. Not doing it to tear somebody down. This is what the truth is. And sometimes people just need to hear truth. They need to hear truth. 
Now, he says, no more pretense. But this is what is true. You don't have to pretend about it. You deal with the truth. You are no longer alone. You have someone who's going to be right there with you. God is going to help you through every step. And you're the one who got to come to a place in which you are willing to listen to him and hear him and be guided by him that you can identify you and not be lost in all this worldly stuff and all this stuff that somehow is destructive to you. God wants you to see you and he wants you to value you because he values you. You're you're somebody of worth to him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, he says, love must be sincere. You don't have to pretend to love somebody. Nor should you pretend that you're loved. You look for the sincerity of it. You want somebody who will love you for who you are. And be sincere in their love. You want that. You desire that. And then when you come down in verse 18, he gives us another perspective of this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You don't have to pretend living at peace. He said, if it's possible. There's times you have to let people know, this is what is rubbing you. This is what is disturbing you. This is what you don't care for. But you're again speaking the truth in love. You don't pretend something is good or right when it's not. That helps identify you. And you need to be able to speak the truth in love. You are no longer alone. You need to understand that. You are with God. And God is with you. You don't need a man or woman to build you up. God will do that. Paul says, I'm content. I'm satisfied in my life. And Paul's not married. You can be content and you can be satisfied. But you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You are someone very special to God. Christ died for you. He shed his blood for you. That makes you and I very special. You don't have to fake it any longer. You don't have to pretend. God wants you to step out of the shadows of pretense and into reality. But deal with the reality and ask him to help you. It's not about what I have achieved or my position any longer. It's about Jesus. I discover myself in him. I find my identity in him. And I find that in him I am valued. It is true and it's what exactly what Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says that God has a plan for us because we're special. You're special. 
You're somebody special. Would you allow God to develop your life? Would you give him the permission to build in your life? To make you what he wants you to be? Would you do that? Would you surrender to the almighty, powerful God and let him build your life? And you'll discover who you really are in Christ. Father, we thank you and praise you for your loving kindness unto us. And thank you, Lord, for working in our lives. Thank you for bringing us out of darkness and into your light that we might truly see who we are in Christ Jesus. Help us to identify ourselves in him. Help us to realize that we're influenced by him. Help us to give him the freedom to truly develop us into the men and women that he so desires us to be. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. God keep you. And may you continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll see you next time. God bless. Bye-bye.